This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Feminism in your ears. It's another broad podcast on Joy 94.9. Keep listening. Hashtag feminism. Hashtag podcast. Hashtag broad on Joy 94.9. It's hard to stop rebels that time travel. But we at the Time Council pride ourselves on doing just that. Welcome to the Living Museum, where legendary rebels from throughout history have been frozen in suspended animation. Here in this particular exhibit, you'll find members of Wonderland and their notorious leader, Janelle Monet along with her dangerous accomplice, Badula Oblongata. Together, they launched Project Queen, a musical weapons program in the 21st century. Researchers are still deciphering the nature of this program and hunting the various freedom movements that Wonderland disguised as songs, emotion pictures, and works of art. Enjoy 94.9.
and welcome to Abroad here on Joy 94.9. Abroad would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands that we broadcast from, the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to all the Kulin elders, women from the past, present, and those women who will be our future elders. And would also like to acknowledge with respect the traditional owners of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands that we broadcast to, and to pay respect to all elders and women elders from all clans and nations, past, present and future. Here we are abroad, January 9, it's 2017. It's been a big day. It's been a big few days, in fact. Thanks again to Well, Well, Well. And uh, yes, tonight we're going to showcase uh, a woman in film, pretty much. Um, we've got some Films for Feminists segment coming up with Matty Doe from Laos and her film, A Dearest Sister, talking about that and what it's like to be a woman in Laos and what it's like to be one of the only, so, you know, well, the only woman who's practising as a filmmaker in Laos. And more of that besides. Now, the quality of the interview is a little bit haphazard simply because it was at a festival event in November, so I haven't had a chance to actually talk about that interview or play it at all, but tonight's the night, lucky people. And uh, she's talking about her film, as I mentioned, Dearest Sister, her second feature, also tonight, the return of the Bad Bitch Yourself, Bad Bitches of History, returns with Maria Lewis looking at a real-life Japanese warrior princess from bygone era, mm, Tomo Gozan, or Tomo Gozan, and uh, chatting about her and what makes her significant, a real-life person who kicked ass uh, in a really significant way and... Uh, is still remembered today in a lot of popular culture as well as historical culture in Japan. So fierce, really fierce. And speaking of that, it has been, of course, Golden Globes weather today in the last um, 24 hours. Uh, they hit the red carpet and come up Trump's. Sorry, that was a really bad, bad thing to say. But in any case... Um, uh, that was Janelle Monet. We had a queen, Q U E E N, featuring the wonderful Erica Badu. And uh, that's the Janelle Monet because, wow, she's just doing great things at the moment. Um, of course, on the Golden Globes, uh, even though La La Land, as most people know now, took away a record seven awards in Los Angeles at the awards tonight, uh, today. Well, Sunday in American time. Um, the others that weren't so lucky were including, uh, which was I was I was surprised, and that is Hidden Figures. I thought they would have done a lot better. Um, 20th Century Fox's Biggie. It's doing just doing very well as far as box office returns go, and it's uh, based on true life about some African American women who worked at NASA during the 50s and 60s. And uh, basically without which there wouldn't have been any orbit of the moon by um, Americans. So it's a bit of a shame that it didn't get some of the awards that I think it deserved. But hey, it did have or does have uh, Janelle Monet. She's also appearing in Moonlight, which isn't out in Australian cinemas till the 26th of this month. But that's not too bad. I mean, considering uh, she's a really amazing artist, um, She's been around for a bit and very hardworking and prolific. Actress, songwriter, singer, producer, model, and um, has her own Wonderlands Art Society uh, for Atlantic Records. I mean, yeah, she's done so much in such a you know bunch of years for someone who's only 31 years of old, 31 years of age, uh, from Kansas uh, City originally in Kansas. 
And, um, yeah, she's certainly a no-nonsense, strong and, uh, you know, representative of uh, people of colour, women of colour, especially in the music industry in the US, but has had such a great influence right around the world um, since her first album that came out back in 2009. Um, uh, And, of course, she's uh, playing Mary Jackson in Hidden Figures, and in Moonlight she plays the character Teresa which I was fortunate to see yesterday. And I'm sure the guys from Outtakes have got a lot to say about that. I miss their shows, and maybe they did. Oops, me. But I I reckon their podcast will be out soon. All right. Now, um, I think we'll have a listen to the Maddie Doe interview very shortly about what it's like to be the only, currently the only known uh, woman filmmaker and genre filmmaker in Laos, uh, a country that pretty much has been hmm, not in the limelight, for many decades due to some of the political uh, situations there. But now it seems like it is opening up a bit and we can uh, certainly experience and enjoy a lot of the creative people that come from that part of the world, including Maddie Doe. So I'll put some more links on our Facebook page too while I'm at it. In the meantime, stay around, stick with us here on Joy 94.9. More of Broad shortly. I'm Sonia and this is Joy. I have such admiration for Black Lives Matter. Diaz uh, Aliza Garza, she's one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. I, I mean, this is a movement that started by two queer women of color that has like shaken the political establishment of America that has forced like presidential candidates, forced the president to address it, that has deeply uh, challenged you know, really many institutions of white supremacy there and that's spread around the world. Yeah, I have such, I have such admiration. When Ferguson first happened, I have to admit, I was looking at it and I was like, man, it felt like Occupy was children's dress rehearsal compared to yeah. what people are doing here and what people are risking here. Feminism, and does, does that play a part in what you do? I mean, obviously I'm a feminist. I, I tend to subscribe to the, the Gloria Steinem definition, which is that it's the revolutionary idea that women are equal human beings. How that plays out with my relationship to other people who identify as feminists, that's a different thing, of course. You know, there, There's... A huge amount of, of disagreement and um, debate, but for me, my feminism comes from the belief that no one should be restricted, no one should be marginalized, no one should be trivialized, no one should made stim- be made simple, no one should be locked in a cage or even put up on a pedestal because they're a woman, because we're humans, and mm-hmm. humans have the right to equality and freedom, and also humans exhibit the full diversity, good and bad. Of, of characteristics, men and women. And I would say that you should never let anyone, um, not a lover, not a husband, not a parent, not a sibling, you should never let anyone steal from you the sense of your own value and your own dignity. And I should also say that the most valuable thing we have, one of them is a community that loves us and that nourishes us and that has our back. Thank you. Hi, I'm Molly Crabapple, and you are listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Yes, this is Broad on Joy. That was the wonderful Molly Crabapple who was over here last year. 2016 was a great year uh, for Broad and chatting to some really significant, wonderful contemporary women, feminists, activists, uh, radical people, such as Molly, who was involved with Occupy in New York and uh, also is friends with and associates, and certainly she admires the fantastic Black Lives Matter uh, team, squad, group, 
awesome women and queer women too who uh, came up with that hashtag and ever since then we've seen wonderful um, strong uh, women of colour coming forth and um, standing up for human rights in the US. It's a tough time coming up with the um, impending inauguration of the new president in the US so I'm sure that we will see more activity and certainly more representation as people uh, take to the streets and let their voice be known. And here abroad, we we stand with uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter, of course, and hashtag you know Black Women's Lives Matter. Now we've got Maddie Doe. We're going to have a chat uh, to her. We'll have a listen to that recording. But again, I apologise for the quality of it. You might hear the clinking of uh, glasses. That's because it is in a bar at a festival uh, that happened in November of 2016, and that was the monster, the wonderful monster horror film festival, or should I say genre and cult film festival, held every year uh, in, in Melbourne town. We're very fortunate. Thanks again to Monster Pictures for, and Monster Fest for helping me to uh, arrange and get to chat to Maddie, and thanks to Maddie Doe herself, and we wish her all the best. Um, let's have a listen to that interview. And you're listening here on Broad. Now, if you'd like to get in touch and uh, let us know what you think of the Golden Globes results, and I believe uh, there's a few um, speeches that happened by Meryl Streep and Ryan Gosling that have been called feminist uh, speeches. I don't know. Has anyone seen the videos yet? I haven't. Not yet. But I've seen some of the transcripts. So let us know. 0427-JOY949. You can phone 1300-JOY949 or email us on air at joy.org.au on Broad. And Dara's sister played today, your uh, second feature? Yes, here at Monster Fest. And how was the reaction of the audience? I was actually like, to be honest, I'm nervous for every time I watch. I watch oh, a yeah. film with the audience always. I always do. I stay through the whole thing. Even my own producer can't do that. Like, Anik is like, I can't, I can't. But I always do because I want to feel... You feel how the audience is feeling often, and then they react differently to different things. And what I loved about um, the Australian audience is they like they did giggle at the jokes, the small jokes, and dear sister, they got them, and they really understood a lot of the cultural context. And then there was this moment where in dear sister, there's a there are a bunch of Australian sex pats at a bar who are like you know obviously t- sex tourists. And that came up on the screen, and he's like, meet my friends from Australia, and I was like, uh-oh. And I was like, and the audience is like, ha-ha, like, yeah. they all seem to know that that's a problem, you know it what I mean? It is a problem. I mean, it's a real factual problem, not just a stereotype, but yeah. Yeah, and I was like, but that was my natural casting to make, was because it's so common in, in Southeast Asia. And, but there was such an awkward moment that I was like, sitting in my seat, looking around like... Oh, I'm surrounded by a bunch of Australian people, and I just like portrayed their people so like poorly. Like, like, Only awesome. half of the population. True, the male one. <laughs> but um, no, it went really well. People, people really enjoyed it. People really appreciated it. I was very happy, and like people from all kinds of backgrounds too. Like even people who were not really um, who were looking for genre films and still loved it because. Um, your sister is very much on this border between genre and drama, you know? Almost. I don't mean it in a bad way, but so popular. Yeah, like... Um, like I've, I've seen it and I loved it, and I could say that I could, I could see it as an ongoing um, series. 
about the characters? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that like um, a series is about how loud people interact with each other would be like really interesting in general. You know what I mean? Right. But um, yeah, the the audience really seemed to key into it, and I was very happy about that. And um, what I find with Dearest Sister, um, oh, actually, should you just briefly say what it's about? Oh, it's hard to talk about Dear Sister in that, like, what is it about? Because it is a ghost film. So it's a it's a film about um, a wealthier middle case middle aged girl. Um, not even just middle aged. She's like probably upper middle class girl who's going blind, and she's married to a white husband in Lao. And the family decides that she should have a helper come stay with her, and so they bring one of her like. Uh, village cousins, like a redneck bogan cousin, to be her helper and her assistant in the house. But she doesn't hardly know the cousin. Like they've never even met. Um, she doesn't want help because it seems a little condescending to have like a helper running around after you, you know. And it makes her very insecure because she can't help but wonder if her more wealthy friends and her white husband think that they're the same, especially since they're from the same family. Um, and as this village girl is there, she starts to realize that the the physical illness is actually much more complex than what everyone thinks. Everyone thinks that she's hallucinating and having depression problems, and as she's going blind, and that she's hurting herself. But the the little cousin starts to realize that there's something more supernatural going on, and that this girl sees, but she doesn't see what we see, you know, um, in the peripheral of her vision. And um, it becomes a story about how, like, a, an unintentional relationship comes together and falls apart. It's a really interesting uh, piece of what I found about relationships. Yes. Because they're sisters, but not really. But, but we call each other sister and brother in our yeah, language. Yeah, in our language. That's, I guess, just to clarify, of course, for uh, non people who are from that part of the culture. So, yeah, so. Very much about those dynamics and that tension between two women that are thrown together, actually. Yeah. About it. From completely um, different backgrounds, but at the same time. Yeah, and actually, that's the contrast that I super want to show people. It's like they're from the same family, they speak the same language, and they're from the same country, but their lives could not be more different. And it's almost like they're foreign to each other. Yeah. It's yeah. sad. And you've also got the interplay of the foreign, yes. uh, foreign influences yes. as well, because she's got a white husband yes. and a uh, white partner that hasn't been married. What was that? Are they married? Yes, no, they're married. They are married, yes. yes. Um, so that is also really interesting what's going on there. And there's a political in the background that's brought into it. There's something really dodgy and political going on. Yes. It's very it's a very social. Um, it's a very social film. It's a, to be honest, it's kind of a harsh commentary on society, and um, I don't shy away from that. But I don't. As a filmmaker, I don't feel like I need to tell people that there's some kind of solution or there's some kind of answer to it. I kind of just like to portray what I am seeing and what is happening what is authentically happening in Laos. And of course I have to like make take liberties with it because I'm making a supernatural ghost film. But um, 
and there are some exaggerations in because of that. But at no point do I give the audience any indication that it will be fixed, it can be fixed, that there that if these people were only if they could only fix this and this would not happen to them. Because that's not how life is nowhere near that easy or streamlined. Yeah, it's got a real patronizing aspect. People do that. And then, and it's getting that across, which um, very rarely see in a drama. So that was really good. That's what I really like. I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it happens to women, particularly women of color. Yeah. It happens to indigenous women as well. Yeah. Um, Clearly, we don't know how to manage ourselves. I, I don't even know where this assumption would come from, you know? And it's like, for Asian women, the automatic assumption is that they're subservient. They think of yeah. this, like, mystic so oriental. Submissive. We're submissive, subservient, that we're some mystic, like, mystic. oriental princess bullshit, uh, princess, you know? It, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And especially if you've been in Asia, you know how, like... Yes, men can be very misogynistic and chauvinistic in Asia, but at the same time, women are very powerful and very strong in Asia. So, like, it, it always boggles me that foreign men come to Asia and think that that's what they're going to get. Okay, maybe, maybe there are certain things that an Asian woman does that's not typical for a Western country, but at the same time, there's definitely like positives and negatives to that, and that it's not as cut and dry as oh, Asian women are submissive. It is not anywhere near that. Now making clear. the film, making it in your home, homeland, home country, as a woman, what's that experience like? Because you're noted to be the only female filmmaker making features so far. So far, I'm the only female making features in Laos. Um, surprisingly, the country and the government itself has been wildly supportive of me. They are very proud to have a woman making film. They're very excited to have female stories. My peers and even foreigners who are not supportive. Foreigners! The ones who are always championing women's rights and etc. You know, like, I know we, I come from a third world country and I'm living in a developing country. I know that we have issues with human rights and etc. But like... Who doesn't? What country doesn't? Well, in Laos particularly, people think that we're very, quite behind. But then, like, as a female filmmaker, I feel very supported by my own people and by my own country. But when I hear from foreigners and my own other peers that a lot of them think I'm only getting attention because I'm using that as a gimmick, like, oh, well, of course, people have to say they like her because she's the only woman making film in the country. I get a lot of that. Yeah. There's a university, and there's a media communication studies program, and I know that there's one professor. He's quite young, actually. He's very, actually very into film, and I know he's been trying to teach his students about film, but there is no film school, or there's no film curriculum, or like a line of study that is focused on film at all in Laos. There's no acting school, either. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised, because the performances are so... They're just so much depth. They're just normal people. I choose them. I choose my actors by their look and by their responsibility and talent. You know, I will always go for someone who is going to be I can rely on to come on set. Committed and who is committed to be on time and to do the work and to. So none of them are trained as such. The only trained actor is um, the white guy who is Pam Betuisk, and he was from Estonia and he's actually quite famous as 
you know, the the handsome hero in this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's the only trained actor. And that's the first time I've ever worked with an actual with an actual actor. <laughs> well, I might wrap it up. And Maddie, it's so great to finally have you uh, in the flesh for Broad on Joy 94.9 because I know we've done it on the phone when you were in Tasmania, I think it was. Correct. It was so fun, actually. And we did sci-fi and squeeb and it was hilarious. And now I get to actually meet you. I know. It's been great. And you go back tomorrow. Well, you're going away. I'm going to Singapore tomorrow to show the film in Singapore. Correct. Yeah. Busy, busy, busy woman. It's getting crazy, but at the same time, I don't feel busy enough because I want to be in production already. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be around like, drinking wine, having fun. And right now, I'm sitting, I should not be sitting around drinking wine. I should be making another film right you now. Are. My time Sorry, travel serial be, killer I one. Really feel it happening. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for speaking to us. It's been great being with you on Broad Joy Night. Well, shit, see, I already messed up. Oh my god. You got your name. <laughs> oh, I did forget my name. So it's been great. This is Maddie Doe on Broad on Joy 949 and it's been super awesome to be able to speak to everyone in Australia. Thank you guys. Thank you. That's gorgeous. Thank you so much. Good luck with the next project. Thank you. I'm Rose Mize. I'm listening to Broad on Joy 94.4. FM. Nine. Point nine. 94.9. 94.9. Okay, no Perfect. problem. Thank you. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay. Hi, I'm Rose Myers. I'm the director of Girl Asleep. Uh, you're listening to Broad on Joy FM 94.9. Hi, I'm Maria Lewis. I'm abroad, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. I'm Trish Bendix on Broad on Joy 94.9. My hope is that queer women can find another home on the Internet that is intersectional, that is inclusive of trans women and women of color, and can find a way to self-sustain and support itself so that women are in charge.
This is Broad on Joy 94.9. That is the dulcet tones of a very young and obviously a very confident Evan Rachel Wood singing from the 2007 Across the Universe film, which was about the Beatles, sort of a mashup movie. Pretty surreal and pretty interesting. From a wonderful uh, feminist filmmaker, uh, Julie Taymor, who we know for doing... Um, that little stage production you know the one set with the lion king something something yeah she's an amazing american uh theater director and of course opera and best known for the lion king and doing the original costume design and puppetry from that so hey i digress a bit but anyway even richard wood um singing blackbird now the story behind that um a song, according to Paul McCartney, way back in the day, is he wrote it in the 60s. I think it came out in 1968 on the White Album. Wrote it in the 60s uh, to talk about and bring light to the civil rights movement that was happening during the 60s at its height. And um, he said the blackbird was a symbol uh, for a black woman. So, and talking about freedom and equality and representation. So it's interesting. The civil rights movement hasn't really stopped for many people in America. It's a constant constant battle to be proven again and again to be uh, considered equal and I think we will see more of that in the future and uh, again um, thank you so much to um, to Maddie Doe who we had a chat to back in November at Monster Fest here in Melbourne I know it's taken me a while to get that interview sorted and up there and out there on air, but at least it happened. And uh, she is certainly someone to watch, a hardworking, prolific, and a very inspiring uh, woman, and only woman uh, at the stage director that comes from Laos. So it was really great to get that inside. I'll put the full um, uh, interview up in the next day or two if all goes well. So, yes, uh, we had a bit of Evan Rachel Wood. She uh, sort of wowed everybody. Mm, it's con pretty much viral of what she wore as an indication a tuxedo she wore on the red carpet of the golden globes today should i say yesterday sunday and um basically to heighten um i guess the influence on clothing from marlena dietrich to david bowie and she says in a quote from uh, ew news i'm not trying to protest dresses she said wearing the suit you know the very male-looking suit, I suppose, uh, bending the gender a little there. She says, I wanted to make sure young girls and women know that it's not a requirement uh, to wear dresses. You don't have to wear one if you don't want to. Just be yourself because you're worth more than that. There you go. And it's a bit of a homage, of course, to the wonderful queer film Victor Victoria, which had Julie Andrews in it, one of my favourites from the 80s. I think we can happily surmise to say we love that film. But yes, um, so yes, thanks again for um, listening to a little snippet there of Maddie Doe for our Films for Feminists. We have got Bad Bitches of History coming up soon with Maria Lewis talking about an awesome Japanese samurai, woman samurai. That doesn't happen every day. That is very true. Uh, so we'll have a listen to that shortly. But, yeah, just looking at um, some of the, the news around with the Million Women March happening, um, I believe, the same day or the day before the 20th on January the 20th at Washington, D.C. in the U.S., um, there's now a hat people can enjoy. And it's got little, like, cat little cat ears or something. It's all hand-knitted, apparently, and hopefully they'll raise funds by those. So if you are one of these lucky people that will be over there and you're committed, or maybe you'll go there, uh, to the US for the um, Million Women March that's going to descend upon uh, the DC, Washington, DC, uh, you might want to wear a little um, feminist cat hat. 
uh, hmm, complete with, I don't think there's a tale, but I'm sure you could add a few things. Certainly, it's a very creative way to demonstrate uh, or protest and be uh, accounted, you know, to be counted, I should say, uh, for what is happening and some of the inequalities. But let's have a listen to the bad bitch herself. Bad bitches of history's Maria Lewis, who uh, we've spoken to in the past many times, author, broadcaster extraordinaire and feminist. She is indeed. Here she is. This is Broad on Joy. Okay, so who are you going to start off with this time uh, as a bad bitch of history? Well, um, we did a Chinese warrior back, back, back. This time we're going to do a Japanese warrior woman. Her name is Tomo Gozen. She was a female samurai, one of the few that is, I don't know how much you know about samurais or, you know, general Japanese history, but female samurais are kind of few and far between. Mm. And Gozen, she kicked ass around like the mid-11th century. She was a, a Japanese warrior famed for her bravery and strength and, markedly, one of my favourite bets, taking the heads of her enemies. Because, <laughs> you know, why not? Trophy, yeah. She was a trophy woman, yeah. Yeah, she had an amazing living room with all the heads of her enemies so who come around and see them. Um, in one historical account, they spend like a whole paragraph talking about how beautiful she was, which is totally irrelevant mm. and, you know, has nothing to do with the fact. Very that much red carpet treatment there. I know. <laughs> yeah. It had nothing to do with the fact that she was also supposed to be one of the best swordsmen in the country wow. and an incredible archer. And yeah, if anyone wants a more, I guess, like whimsical approach to her life, there was a fictionalized uh, series of books um, from Jessica Simonson in the 80s. It's like three novels. And mm. it's, uh, it's not like super historical. It's, it's more like they've taken the few facts that people know about her life and extrapolated it into an entertaining story. But it is pretty cool. And in terms of um, finding a novel series that's quite high concept and high fantasy, it's quite rare to have a protagonist of colour and especially in the 80s. Yeah, unusual because that's sort of mm. something that happened around 2000s, you know, a lot of those sort of vampire lit um, started doing, but mm, good. Yeah, the, the Buffy flowing effect as I like to think of it. <laughs> yeah. So what did she do? I mean, she, because samurais of course worked for the lords and the, you know, I guess the equivalent would be uh, barons or landowners or something like that, wasn't it? Um mm. Yeah, so basically it's very similar to, like, if you were a knight, you kind of mm. went where the king told you to go and you yeah. fought the battles that the king told you to fight. So that was much the same with her. One of the main, basically one of the main aspects of her job was that she was constantly defending the land from invaders. And so they would just send her to wherever she needed to go to defend, you know, whatever particular province it was that was mm. under threat from Invaders from other countries or even, like, local invaders who were trying to do a rebel uprising. Mm, cool. Ooh, I wouldn't want to live back then, though. Certainly not, but... Ugh. Yeah. Now, I was thinking... Um, oh, no, I've totally lost it, but there was a, a samurai, Korean samurai film that was out last year, and, of course, I can't remember what it was. Oh, I might have missed that, but I, I, I need to check that out. It sounds good. Yeah, if I could remember it, it would be really great, Sonia. So what makes her a bad bitch, though? Like, is there anything that, you know, what was the, you think is a highlight oh, yeah. about the that character? Head, yeah. The head of her Oh, enemy. but, you know, head, <laughs> head, heads up, you know, give me a heads up. That's good. Yeah. Oh, well, that's no, she, she, she was <laughs> someone who succeeded in a largely male-dominated field. Yep. And um, 
and you know, I'm sure she had to experience a lot of fucking. Pre- oh, I shouldn't swear. Sorry. That's <laughs> all right. She probably experienced a lot of prejudice in uh, in uh, like mid to mid to late 11th century Japan. Mm. It's so rare for for there to be female samurais, let alone one that was as, as revered as her. They really those female warriors that went toe to toe with the men really stand out in history because. You know, history is a bit of a patriarchal construct in and of itself, so they always kind of stand out in the history books. And the historians are like, wow, look what ladies can do. And we're all just like, we know it. Mm. No, I know what you mean. All right, well, cool. She is definitely one, yeah, find out more about. And uh, on Babbage's of History. Yeah. Well, thank you for that one. No worries. Oh, no. Thanks, Miss <laughs> Have you been to Japan, by the way? No, I've never been to Japan. I No, I would love it. Like, it feels like such a kind of place that I would just have such a ball. And I love Japanese food. I love Kauai culture. I just feel like I'd have the best time there. Mm. And flights from Australia are pretty cheap, so I really need to sort that out at some point. Lady Snowblood, that's the film I'm looking at now. 1973, uh, Yuki or Maiko Kaji, is no ordinary Japanese woman in the late 19th century Japan. Concealed in her umbrella is the sword she uses during her quest for vengeance against the people responsible for killing the ones she loved. That sounds good. Oh. That sounds it does sound very... good, except the only thing that kind of irks my American about that is um, the idea of, you just know that's, that's like her, her love has been killed. Yeah. And that's her motivation. I'm like, maybe she's just a high-functioning sociopath. <laughs> maybe. It's very Kill Bill, yeah. isn't it? Very Kill Bill. But um, yeah. I think the film I'm thinking of that I mentioned was is called The Assassin. Can you hear me clicking away? The Assassin. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it's it's a beautiful film. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on most of the time, but it was... Pretty amazing. I think that might be as close as you get, perhaps. Yeah, right. To something mm, I like... That's another one to add to my list. It's Chinese, by the way. Sorry. So it is Chinese. Oh, but... Chinese. Oh, controversial. Oh, okay. I know, I know. Yeah. Sonia says. All right. Well, thank you, Maria Lewis. <laughs> no worries. Bad Bitches Anytime. of History. I can't wait for the next one. Broads from the past. This is Bad Bitches of History on Broad. Joy 94.9.
Yes, this is brought on Joy 94.9 and the fantastic, always fantastic, Aretha Franklin with respect. That's the original from the Atlantic Records, came out in 1967, and I think it's still as pertinent and as real and as necessary today and probably tomorrow and the day after that. But, yeah, she is one of the the great divas of all time and uh, certainly respect R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Thanks again to Maria Lewis, uh, the extraordinary broadcaster and author or writer. What is the difference? I don't know. But she's published, and that's something, and uh, her new book comes out very soon, later this month, uh, Who's Afraid 2, T-O-O. The first one is Aware... Mm, I won't give it away, but something to do with wares in the night. Now, um, speaking of things coming up, February the 6th, we have got something special, and we want it from you, basically. It's a closing date for something special. It's the first ever, first ever, this could be inaugural, maybe not, annual, I think annual is probably the better word, broad zine. That's right, broad. First there was the radio show. And now we're having a crack at zines. How about that? So the first uh, feminist radio show ever to be on a Joy 949 is finally going to do it. Bite the bullet, or should we say photocopier, spill the ink on the paper, the cartridge paper, and do a feminist zine, which celebrates inclusion, intersectionality, ooh, that's a word, uh, and, of course, representation and queerness. So we want everyone to get involved if they want to. And if you've got some time in your hands, it shouldn't take you long. Look, a few minutes to throw something together to write something awesome then all you have to do is send it through to my email or you can send it through to our facebook page and messages or message me sonia hammer on facebook or whatever it takes you can email me uh, sonia.suda at joy.org.au or you can just do broad at joy.org.au so do those two emails don't do the uh, joy on air email because i may not get it um so send it through to abroad at joy.org.au and uh, submit away. Submit, although that's a terrible word, I know. Submission can always be fraught with, uh, you know, controversy, conflict and uh, such things. So anyway, put it through, pass it through, send it to me. Uh, it can be words. Uh, it can be, uh, you know, something that you're interested in, something feminist, hopefully, uh, about 450 to 550 words. So it's pretty small because it's going to be an A5, a very small, very uh, introductory, basic zine. Uh, and we hope to print that out February 8th or so. So I need I need your work by February 6th. That's a Monday. So that's perfect because that's when we're on broad, aren't we? We're on 9 p.m. on Mondays. So... That's perfect. Um, So, yeah, like I said, anything feminist on that topic, something that you're comfortable about, talking about, if you're an expert, you're a student, you're a teacher, look, whatever it might be, from the University of Life or Feminism, Yes, just let us know. Like I said, artwork has to be able to fit on something like an A5 um, page and uh, words between 450 to 500 approximately. Um, Yeah, so I know we're cutting it fine. We've got less than a month to go, but I'm sure you can drum up something because you're all very smart people who listen to Broad, of course. So, yes, don't forget, just go to Broad at Joy. for the, for the email there, it's on the website with a podcast you can check out as well 
for broad. And, uh, yeah, basically we're just looking for anything queerness, feminist, intersectional, includes, you know, inclusion. Uh, anybody can do it. You don't have to be a woman. You just have to be, I guess, into feminism and stuff like that. And we can spread the love and print it up on a photocopier and proceeds because we will be launching it on the 12th of February, which is Sunday. And that's for the um, the very special uh, festival of the photocopier here in Melbourne Town at the Town Hall. So it happens every year. And on the 12th, Sunday, the 12th February, uh, from about 11 a.m. onwards, we'll be having a little table. We'll be sharing a half a table, actually, for Broad, for Broad Zine. And we'll be there plugging away, uh, selling the wares, or should I say selling the zine, and all proceeds, every single cent, every single coin, dollar coin, two dollar coin, whatever it might be, will go to a feminist charity or an organisation, an NGO, that helps support and empower uh, women, women and girls. So I haven't chosen the charity yet. I'll let you know next week. Next Monday, the 16th, uh, I think it'll be the 16th, we should know which charity to be chosen. And if you have any suggestions for any organisations that are out there, uh, preferably in Melbourne, hopefully, um, or Victoria, let us know. You can message us now on air at joy.org.au, SMS 0427-JOY949, 1300-JOY949, or like I said, you can just uh, send us a, an email, easy to do, broad at joy.org.au or sonia.suta at joy.org.au or just message me on the old Facebook. I think it's time for a little bit of uh, Australian fear. I think uh, this wonderful feminist band from the 80s, actually, and Cessna and Essendon Airport with Lost in Madagascar. It's one of my favourites. I played it last year. So sometimes we do play songs twice, maybe, yeah. In any case, um, coming up very soon, we'll have Beck with Bite Me Down Under here on Joy 949. Next week, we'll be looking at ageism and sexism and feminism and what it means to get back into the workforce after you've been out of that workforce and uh, looking at disability and women who experience that and prejudice and discrimination in the workforce. We have the wonderful Manel, who's becoming, who will be coming on for the first time, to talk to us next Monday. And um, also happening this weekend is... Girls Rock Melbourne. It's the first one ever. It's happening now. I believe they're having classes for girls. Uh, teach them about, you know, the gorgeousness, the wonderfulness of rock and roll, how to make a music, how to play instruments. And at the end, they do a wonderful showcase at the Bella Union. I think it's all booked out because it's a free event. So you had to book online at Bella Union. But maybe just check it out. You might be on standby. But yes, shout out to Girls Rock Melbourne. And I hope they have a fantastic week. And I hope you do too. Have the rest of an awesome feminist week. Um, be safe and uh, keep smashing the patriarchy, whatever it takes. Um, and have a very good week. And we'll catch you next time. Okay. This is Broad here on Joy 94.9. Are you a feminist, Alice? I would say yes. <laughs> Unanimously. <laughs> Pretty strange. You've said no, definitely not. <laughs> Are you a feminist, Bianca? Most definitely. Are you a feminist, Shannon? I'm Shannon from the Girl Freeders, and I am a feminist. <laughs> Girl Freeders, what do you think is the most important issue facing women in Australia now? Violence against women. Domestic violence, anything like that. There are far too many murders happening. There are far too many unseen and unspoken instances within the household. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
toxic masculinity as well, I think. I mean, it all feeds into each other. You know, it's brought to the home, but, like, feminism is interested in dismantling toxic masculinity and, like, yeah, just a violent culture, but, like, like quite latently. Yeah, like, no one seems to be yeah really like addressing just the violence that is occurring Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.